This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're looking back and looking forward for episode number 28. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. The tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I'm bringing you episode 28 of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. I'm really excited to be bringing you the podcast because we're at the very end of the year. If you're listening in the future, it's the very end of 2013. And that always gets me excited. It's usually gratifying for me to look back on a year and usually exciting for me to look forward on a new year. And this year is no different in that respect. So I'm excited about all the new things that are happening. I feel like I need to offer you an apology again because if you're listening to this as it's published, it's been a few weeks since I've gotten a podcast out because of all of the issues going on with my computer and all of the issues going on with the holidays. But here I am and I'm going to get you an episode today even though it's a little bit of an easy episode because I'm going to do a continuation of the birth stories that we began a couple of episodes back. Before I get started with that, I just want to let you know that I'm excited for a couple of reasons. First of all, I'm excited because I'm planning to get some new classes going for naturalbirthandbabycare.com this year. And right now we have childbirth classes, and those are really popular. I actually have a lot of new students right now, and a lot of you tell me that you found me through the podcast. So if you're listening right now, hi. Um, But also... I'm excited because um, because I'm planning to do some baby classes or baby and toddler focused classes. It's something that I've thought about for a long time and I really worked this year, 2013, in getting the childbirth classes going. So I'm hoping to get the baby classes going. If you have something in particular that you would like me to teach on, I would love to hear from you. You can email me, Kristen, at naturalbirthandbabycare.com and that will go right to me. Right now, I'm thinking of doing something geared towards the early weeks, the first six weeks, the first three months, that sort of thing, that really intense time of parenting a newborn. But I'm also thinking of doing some classes that maybe center around your mobile baby or parenting as it changes when your baby's moving from being an in-arms baby to being mobile and to having more of a mind of his or her own. I also get asked a lot about mothering topics. So I've thought about doing some classes on mothering and that sort of thing. So if you have any feedback on that or any opinions on that or anything that you might like to do uh, a short online class series on, just let me know. I would love to hear from you. Your feedback means so much. And just like with the birthing classes, the feedback helps me make the class exactly what you want. So I try and do a lot of birth and baby topics here on the podcast, and I want to make sure that naturalbirthandbabycare.com is offering that, and that I'm offering that in my classes and in my consulting. So let me know what you think about that. Another thing that I'm excited about is the next podcast episode. And it's really, I, I kind of wanted to do it now, because we're at the cusp of the new year right now, <laughs> but... I have overnight guests here right now. My parents are in from out of town, and the holidays and everything is just, 
It's made it a little hard to, to do a completely original podcast episode, which is why I've opted to bring you birth stories today. But the next podcast episode is going to focus on some New Year's resolutions for mom. And I hope that these will help you as you're, while you're pregnant and as you're parenting your baby and as your child grows or as you're parenting older children. I feel like I've grown as a parent so much in the past few weeks with everything that's that's gone on from everything from the technical issues to my computer to everything with uh, my website and the podcast and now I'm launching a YouTube channel, all of that. And through all of that, there's just, I've had some intense growth lessons as a parent and I've come up with some New Year's resolutions for myself as a mother from all of that. And I've got an entire podcast episode to share with you some things that I've found that are helping, some things that I want to continue, some things that I don't want to do. And I think that it will be very helpful for you as a parent. So look forward to that. And and I'll look forward to your feedback on that too. And if you have any resolutions that you've made as a parent that you would like me to uh, consider for myself or to talk about on the podcast or that sort of thing, just go ahead and let me know. Having said that, let's go ahead and get into the birth stories. So I I read to you a few weeks ago the birth stories from my first three babies, Cassidy, Asher, and Brennan. And I'm going to read to you now the birth stories from my last three babies, Galen, Honor, and Corwin. And Corwin will be a year old in about a month. I can't believe it. Um, so his birth story is fresher. But their birth stories are are special to me. A lot of changes had happened between Cassidy Asher and Brennan and then Galen Honor and Corwin. Um, first of all, when Brennan was a when Brennan was a baby, um, I became a single mother and that was hard. Uh, and obviously by the time Galen was born I was remarried, so there's a gap between Brennan and Galen, but we also we moved in that period of time, much farther or farther away from where we were. So I had to get a new midwife, and things were very different. Um, and I still chose to have a home birth. I've had all home births. But it was, it was just a very different experience. I was in a different place as a mother and as a person. And you see that reflected in their birth stories. And uh, a, a, but a lot of what I learned through the course of birthing Cassidy, Asher, and Brennan really came into full force in the course of birthing Galen and Honor, and then especially Corwin was kind of a culmination of what I learned for all of them. Uh, But one common thing with Cassidy and Asher and Brennan was the pushing stage was very challenging for me with them. And... I felt like my babies were kind of stuck at that point and I needed the midwife to help them get out for all three of my first babies. And I don't think it's a pattern that I realized then, but looking back on it, I do now. And then with Galen and Honor and Corwin, that wasn't at all a factor and it's very interesting to me. I still had some issues with the pushing stage, especially with Honor. And I feel like I really overcame those with Corwin, but... It's just interesting to see how birth, like so many other things, maybe you get better with practice. But I hope that as you listen to the stories of the first three, and then as you listen to the stories of these next three, you can maybe walk along with me on my journey 
and some of the wisdom that I gained can be your wisdom. So with that, let's jump in. We'll start with Galen, who has just turned five in real life now as I'm recording this. Galen's unassisted birth. The weather that day was crazy. We saw strong wind, heavy rain, and even hail. Very early labor. I woke around 4 a.m. Sunday morning to a pretty strong Braxton Hicks contraction and couldn't get back to sleep. Around 5.30, I got out of bed and went to the bathroom, where my body did a good job of clearing itself on out. I stayed up a bit and checked the mothering forums to see how other moms in my due date club were doing and to try and get tired enough to sleep again. Went back to the bathroom and saw a little bit of bloody mucus when I wiped, then went on upstairs. At seven, I woke Scott and told him, I think we'll meet our baby soon. Shortly after, Scott got up and made breakfast, then got the birth tub set up. I called our midwife, Kathy, to let her know that I thought something was happening. At this point, the Braxton Hicks were about eight to ten minutes apart. We decided we'd like to take a walk while the tub, or when the tub finished filling. I started baked potatoes for lunch so we could eat before the walk. We were sitting inside waiting on the tub and potatoes when we heard a lot of clattering against the house. We looked outside the window and saw hail coming down. It occurred to me that Brennan had been outside playing. And as soon as I said, Brennan, we heard thud, thud, thud as he ran up on the porch. It was cute just how fast he made it to shelter. The tub finished filling, but the potatoes weren't done. Since the hail had stopped, we decided to go ahead and take a walk. We headed down to the library and put the books in the book drop, then walked back. The wind was very cold on the way there, but I was so glad to be walking and glad the kids could work some energy off. The walking felt wonderful. I really felt like I was opening with each contraction I had while walking. After we got home and ate, we decided it would be good to nap. I was comforted to know I'd had a good meal, the tub was ready to go, and there wasn't much to do other than wait. We got the kids settled in for quiet time. Then Scott and I went to our room. I dozed a little bit, but I'm not sure for how long. It felt good to be snuggled in bed, though. After napping, we made love, which was very nice. I stayed in bed for a little while after, enjoying the pretty half-sunlight coming in our window and relaxing and letting the contractions come freely to open me up more. Getting stronger. The weather continued to be strange through the afternoon with lots and lots of rain and more hail. I really wanted to go walking again, but it was hailing again and I was frustrated. Walking really helped and I could feel things starting to pick up. Being upright helped a lot. Finally, there was just rain, so we outfitted Cassidy, Asher, and Brennan each with a smaller-sized umbrella, and Scott and I used a big one to make a quick walk around the block. We got home, and I started a spaghetti supper, and by this time I was having to pause through contractions. While the sauce was heating through, I gave the kids a shower. It wasn't easy to keep talking and be cheerful. I wanted to be sure they were warm and dry after our walk in the cold rain. I had to get up during supper a couple of times because standing and swaying was what felt the best during the contractions. 
While Scott read the kids their bedtime story, I sat on my birth ball in the office, just working and willing my body to open. After the kids were in bed, I called Charlie, my midwife with Cassidy, Asher, and Brennan, to let her know the baby was on the way. We have a pretty close relationship after three babies, and I still do some work managing a website for her. She was excited and said it felt like she was waiting on a grandbaby. I was happy to talk to her. After hanging up with Charlie, I called Kathy and let her know that my contractions were about 40 seconds long and 5 to 6 minutes apart. She said she'd head over after her supper and see how things were going. She arrived about 30 minutes later and set her things up. I was having to work through each contraction but was cheerful and happy between. I'd had some more mucus show throughout the day and felt sure the baby was well on the way. Scott was on the couch and I sat in front of him on the birth ball while Kathy sat up. After she was done getting set up and checking my vital signs, she listened to the baby and all looked and sounded good. She asked if I wanted her to check me. I didn't really want a check because I didn't feel like it was time for a check yet, but I did want to know if I could get in the tub. Scott said later he could tell I didn't really want to check. I said okay so I'd know if I could get in the tub, and Kathy said I was only 3 centimeters and 60% effaced. I want it to get heavy. Kathy and Katie, her apprentice, decided to go home and try and get some sleep. This started the surreal part of labor for me. First, everyone seemed to be trying to comfort me, and right then it was annoying me because I was okay with thinking I had some work ahead of me. I also have a hard time telling people, I'm okay, please just let me be, and trying to communicate this and avoid overwhelming feeling eye contact at the same time was tough. Finally, everyone headed out, and Scott and I went up to our room. We lay down, and I knew I would not be able to sleep through the contractions. By the third or fourth one lying down, I just knew I couldn't be in bed. The self-doubt had started, though. I felt like I should be able to sleep, being so early in labor. But Scott asked if I wanted to go downstairs, and I admitted that yes, I did. I'd started shivering in the bed, so Scott had me put on his robe. Even with it on, I kept shivering. I covered up with blankets, and eventually Scott turned the thermostat up. I didn't think I was really cold, but the shivering wouldn't stop. This is the only birth I made it through mostly clothed. I have no memory of time at this point. I labored some on the edge of the couch and was able to rest a bit with my head in Scott's lap. Then I felt I couldn't do that anymore. I sat on my birth ball some, stood and swayed some, and labored on the toilet some. The house was dark and silent. I told myself to open and thought over and over, I want this to get heavy, a thought from a birth story in one of Ina Mae Gaskin's books. Doubts also crept in. I was no longer sure I could do this all night. I was being a wimp, having such a hard time so early. I didn't remember it being so intense so quickly with the others. I even said that out loud to Scott. I remember him saying at one point, these are not five minutes apart. At that point, I had enough doubt that I didn't want to call Kathy back yet. 
Each time I went to the bathroom and wiped, there was lots of mucus streaked in red. On a final bathroom trip, I told Scott it didn't feel like the contractions were stopping. The shivering was also driving me crazy because it made it impossible for my body to relax. I told Scott I wanted to get in the birth tub and I didn't care if it slowed my labor down. I think it was at this point that Scott lit the candles on the table next to the birth tub, all the candles for my blessing way. Until then, we'd been in the dark. I got in the tub, which was nice and warm. The shivering, however, continued. Scott pulled a chair up beside the tub. I was on my knees inside, and he held both of my hands in his. I had two contractions which felt very intense, even in the water. I involuntarily sat up during both of them. I remember thinking that was a little strange. After one of these contractions, I reached inside myself and felt the curve of the baby's head. I felt something over the head which I thought was my tissues and meant I was still dilating. The head felt down very low. My next contraction started and my body started bearing down. I looked at Scott in surprise and said, Pushing contraction. Seconds later, I felt a release of pressure and we heard a pop sound as my water broke. I said, Water broke! to Scott. He said something about calling Kathy, and when the contraction ended and I was sure it was over, I told him, Get the phone now. He called Kathy and told her my water had broken. As soon as he hung up and set the phone down, another contraction started. I could tell it was going to be a strong one, and I called out, God, please help me. And he did. I held Scott's hand tightly and felt my entire body bear down with the contraction. I could feel the baby's head come down and crown. There was a split second of stretching and stinging, and then I felt his head be born. I had enough time to think, but not say, his head was born, when I realized my body was not going to stop pushing. I felt the rest of his body rush down the birth canal and out into the tub. I reached for him immediately, and ask, asking Scott to help me keep his head above the water, we got him up to my chest, and I noticed his cord was wrapped around his body. I'd thought and said to Scott that his cord was short, but when I slipped it off of him, there was plenty of length to it. I could hear him gurgling and breathing. I took two little sucks at his mouth and spit the mucus I got out to help him get going. Then I looked and saw that he was indeed a he. Scott helped me lean back against one side of the tub. He turned on the light so that we could look at his color which was good and pink. My breasts were under the water in the tub, so Scott put a little plastic stool in there for me to sit on. He got one of the baby hats from the birth kit and put it on the baby's head, then got our video camera, which we never even had time to turn on, and took a picture of our new baby. He was born at 11.45 p.m., about 2 hours and 15 minutes after our midwives left. Sitting back in the tub, I felt the cord lengthen even more as my body continued to work. Kathy walked in the door around midnight. My placenta had already separated from the uterus, so she and Scott helped me out of the tub. I sat on the birth stool, and after several pushes, the placenta was born, and I was done. I liked having the birth stool for delivering the placenta. Katie got there shortly after, and they got me and the baby snuggled on the couch, he started nursing a short time later. Kathy checked me and found that I hadn't had any tearing, even with such a fast birth. 
She told me I could probably have 12 babies. Ha! And Scott brought the kids down, who had slept through everything, to meet their new baby brother, then tucked them back in bed. After all the checking was done and I'd eaten something and had plenty of liquids, they helped me upstairs to bed, and we settled in with the baby. Kathy and Katie left, and I called my dad. I told him we'd named our new baby son Galen Napier. My dad's middle name is Napier, and it was his mom's, my grandma's, maiden name. Then I called Charlie and told her about the baby. And finally, finally, we snuggled up with our son Galen and went to sleep. A few hours later, I sat with Galen and watched the first snowfall outside our window. It was a little touch of magic after such a wonderful experience. So that's Galen's birth, unassisted because our midwives didn't make it back in time. And his birth was such an incredible learning experience for me because it really, he just came right down and my body pushed and did all the work all on its own. And that was an incredible experience after my first three where it felt very hard to get them to come down and out. So it was a real learning experience. Honor's birth, I'm going to read next, and her pregnancy was my hardest pregnancy. I had a hard time. I struggled with a lot of depression during her pregnancy, uh, and her birth, her birth was good, And as you, but as you'll hear in her birth, uh, her crowning didn't go exactly as I would have liked, but as soon as I held her in my arms, uh, it was just incredible, and incredible her birth was an incredibly healing experience for me when I had had a hard time during pregnancy. And it's one of the reasons why I'm such a powerful or a strong proponent of having a physiological third stage where hormones are allowed to do all that they're supposed to do between mother and baby. Because even though I really struggled during my pregnancy with honor, I felt ambivalence, I felt depression, I felt unprepared, uh, I felt guilt about feeling depressed. I mean, the whole gamut of negative emotions I experienced. But after her birth, it was it was like I had been given a magic pill, seriously. And on my birth stories page, her birth is labeled as joy and light because really she was born and in my arms and it was like there was light and joy surrounding us. And I still had challenging days from time to time after that, and I still do, but her birth and just the hormonal rush and the maternal hormones and everything like that that came and were allowed to come because her birth was allowed to happen the way that it should were really so powerful. And I wish that all mothers could experience that. So let me read her birth and you can see, or hear, I suppose, a little bit about what I'm talking about. Honor's birth. Honor's birth was different yet similar to my other births. My pregnancy with her was very different than my other pregnancies, so much harder in many ways. It was physically challenging and emotionally challenging. It also provided a lot of room for me to grow, and hopefully more opportunity to, for me to help others. Like my entire pregnancy, her birth was a new experience for me. I had Braxton Hicks contractions that got regular every evening for about a week and a half leading up to her birth. That was a bit different for me and caused a little anxiety as I wondered, is this it? Each evening. I kept myself calm thinking about a lesson from our childbirth course. 
We learned to ask, what do I want to do right now? I would always decide on the next thing to do, and eventually bedtime would arrive, and the next morning would dawn with no baby. It was not hard physically, but it was trying emotionally. When it was truly time for Honor to be born, I had no clue it was coming, really. All my other children began their journeys here by a slow build-up of Braxton Hicks contractions to real ones, sometimes with a bloody show. I always knew things were coming later, but this time was different. We spent the day following our summertime routine, and that evening I had a chiropractor's appointment. I went to that, and my chiropractor did some acupressure to help get labor going. I stopped by the grocery store on the way home to get groceries for the coming week, still not suspecting anything was to happen that night. Scott and Cassidy were just getting supper served when I got home, so the family sat down to eat. After supper, the kids did their evening chores, and we got Galen ready for bed. I don't remember if Scott read the older children a story that night or not. But it was just around the time they were going to bed that I started to notice that my Braxton Hicks had a sharper edge to them than they had had earlier. I, I had downloaded an application for my phone that timed contractions, so I started using that. The contractions were coming regularly, about every five to six minutes apart and lasting around 40 seconds. They definitely had a little edge to them. After keeping track of them for an hour, I mentioned to Scott that they were coming regularly. I went to the bathroom and upon wiping found a bit of mucus tinged with blood. I told Scott about that and shared that I thought that things may be picking up. He took me seriously, sending out a couple of text messages to work that he probably wouldn't be there the next morning. I called our midwife's apprentice, Katie, around 8.30 and left a message with her that the contractions were pretty regular but mild so we were going to try and go to sleep. We went to bed shortly after and tried to sleep. I may have drifted off here and there, but didn't really sleep. Katie called back around 9.30, and I said we were still trying to sleep. She said she'd get everything ready and probably go lie down herself. After this point, I don't remember what time things happened really, but things got quite similar to Galen's birth. It didn't take long for me to realize that I couldn't lie down through the contractions. I told Scott I wanted to go back downstairs and get into the tub. We'd set the tub up a couple days before and I was glad it was ready. I got in the tub while Scott called Katie back, letting her know that things were picking up and that I was starting to shiver. This was really similar to Galen's birth too. The birth hormone rush causes me to shiver even though I'm not cold. Scott turned on the Gladiator soundtrack, one of my favorites, then sat outside the tub. I really did like having him there, as he'd been during Galen's birth. Between the contractions, I would sort of rock or sway in the tub. I was on my knees, but low, with my bottom resting on my feet. When a contraction came, I'd lift my body up and put my arms around Scott, leaning my weight on him. I still tended to rock a bit back and forth. Scott's hair is longer right now, and he likes to pull it back in a short ponytail. I liked wrapping my hands around it during a contraction. I don't think I ever pulled it, and Scott says I didn't, so I will trust him. Scott helped me keep my breathing on track. Once things picked up, they really picked up.
I remember saying that I seemed to go from zero to sixty in between some of my contractions. They started coming on so fast that I felt a little overwhelmed and just looked to Scott's breathing to help me breathe. In the short break between contractions, I gave him kisses on the cheek because it just felt so right. I asked for, se for water several times because I got really thirsty. Katie arrived around 12.15 a.m. I only know this because of looking at the labor record. By this point, things were really intense. She checked the baby's heartbeat one time, and it sounded good. Then I had a contraction where I felt like I was truly losing control, and I just said, help me, over and over several times. Scott was right there breathing with me, and even though it felt overwhelming, I was able to get through it. That was probably most of my transition right there. I was at this point actively feeling with my own fingers, not measuring dilation, but just feeling to see if I could feel the baby's head inside me. I felt between several contractions, and after the big one where I asked for help, I could feel the bag of waters bulging inside me. It has taken me five births to come to this level of wanting to be so conscious during labor, and of not feeling intimidated by my own body. I felt Galen's head just before he came down the birth canal, and that memory was so precious and awesome that I wanted it with this baby, too. I felt the bag of waters, and then another contraction started. I felt the water bag break, and Honor's head started down. The stretching was intense, and it felt like it took a long time for her head to be born. I was sort of expecting that the rest of her would just fly out, as happened with Galen, but that was not the case. I reached down and felt her head, just rubbing it as I waited for the next contraction to start. I knew her chest would take work to push out, like Brennan's had. When the next contraction began, I pushed her chest, and with a lot of work, she came out. I brought her up right away. Katie said the cord was around her neck and tried to pull it over her head. It was pretty tight, and at that point I could see that it was also looped around her body. I knew that it would have to be unwound for her body, so I leaned back so Scott and Katie would be able to get her unwound. I think in hindsight this is one thing that I might change about her birth. I wish a bit that I had just unwound it. I was able to move back quickly so that Scott and Katie could work on it. My thoughts were very clear, and I definitely thought to myself that it needed to be unlooped from her body. They got it done quickly, but I think that what if will always be in the back of my mind. What if I had just unwound it from her body myself? Honor seemed pretty unfazed by the whole thing, and started to breathe and pink up right away. As soon as she was unwound, Katie and Scott handed her right back to me. I began talking to her and cuddling her right away, so happy to finally meet my baby. As I said, her pregnancy was very hard, and I worried quite a bit about how I'd feel after her birth. Thankfully, I had a rush of adoration upon holding her, and feel very strongly bonded with her now, despite the ambivalence and struggle of during pregnancy. Honor arrived at 12.32 a.m., just a few hours after I had an inkling that she was on the way. After a bit in the tub, Katie asked me if I felt the need to push again. I tried once and got nothing, but after another contraction or two, the placenta came out. Scott cut the cord shortly after. While I'd been pushing Honor out, Allie, our midwife's newest student, had arrived. 
just after Honor was born, our back, our midwife's backup midwife, Robin, arrived. Our midwife was en route to Haiti to work at a midwifery clinic there for a month. At this point, the house was quite busy. Katie asked me if I wanted to get out of the tub, and I did, so she and Allie helped me out of the tub while Scott held Honor. I got settled on the couch, and Scott went upstairs and got Cassidy, Asher, and Brennan to come meet baby Honor. Galen stayed asleep. I'm not sure if the kids were sleeping during the birth or not. I was moaning through the contractions and let out what Scott calls a primal yell when Honor's head was born, so they could have been awake. If they were, they didn't come downstairs. They were delighted to meet Honor after she was born. The midwives got our bedroom ready for us while I went to the bathroom and Scott had some cuddle time with Honor. Then it was finally time to go upstairs, get settled, and snuggle with our newest little one. Welcome to the world, sweet Honor Rebecca. So that was Honor's birth, and it really was a wonderful and powerful birth. The only things that I wanted to change afterward, as you could hear on the story, were the primal yell, and then I, I really wanted it to be all my hands after the baby's birth. And I didn't really think about that so much during my pregnancy with Corwin, the unwinding of the cord. I just kind of decided in my mind that I would do it if it needed to be done. I did think a whole lot about the pushing stage and the ring of fire and that sting and everything. And I wanted it, I wanted my experience with my next baby, number six, to be different. I had gotten to the point where I trusted my own body to push with Galen and Honor's birth, which was different than Cassidy and Asher and Brennan's birth. But I still wanted to feel like, uh, not necessarily like I was calm during it or even that I had control over it, but I didn't want to feel out of control and screaming kind of the way that I had during Honor's birth. I wanted to be able to be aware of it and just fully experience it without it all being focused on maybe tightening up and the stinging. And so I did a lot of visualization and work before Corwin's birth. And you'll hear, if you take my mama baby birthing classes, many of those classes I recorded while I was pregnant with Corwin and preparing for his birth. And then in some of the classes that I recorded after his birth, you'll hear what I did for, for those preparations. And all of that paid off in a phenomenal way, which you will hear in this birth story. So with that, I will read Corwin's birth. Corwin Jacob's birth. I prepared for Corwin's birth on so many levels, but one thing I felt powerfully compelled to do before and throughout my pregnancy with him was pray. So first, to the Lord goes the glory for his conception, my healthy pregnancy, his beautiful birth, and overall exquisite creation. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me the petition which I asked of him. Therefore also have I lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. 1 Samuel 1, 27-28 I prayed fervently before Corwin was conceived that the Lord would bless us with another baby, and it was with great joy that I held the positive pregnancy test. I had a wonderful pregnancy, and was blessed with five pregnancies worth of wisdom to carry me through this one. But I still found myself anxious and emotional in the week leading up to his birth. I reread a favorite birth story over and over, trying to focus on its message of being grateful 
and of not sweating the little things. I spent one day in tears of overwhelm a couple of days before his birth, but maybe it was a good release. As with honor, I had a couple of weeks worth of evenings where my Braxton Hicks got fairly regular, then puttered away through the night. I wasn't sure how things were going to get started. With honor, I thought things were finally getting started, and about five hours later, I had a baby, so I was nervous this time around. The weather had been pretty bad, with lots of ice and snow. I decided not to go into town for my prenatal appointment on Tuesday, but felt confident the baby was in a great position, and it was just a matter of waiting. The Beginning Wednesday night, things got regular as usual, but felt like they were puttering out when we went to bed. We'd been going to bed early, and tonight was the same. I'm very glad we did. I woke up around 2.30 a.m. after having a really weird dream. I stumbled to the bathroom, and while sitting there, I had the thought that the Braxton Hicks that I was having was pretty strong and lasting a pretty long time. I prepared for Corwin's birth with my own childbirth course, as well as hypnobabies and pink kid information. When I got back into bed, I immediately turned my light switch to off, as I'd learned in hypnobabies. I relaxed deeply and just lay there, feeling the tightening of my belly and wondering if I'd drift back off to sleep. I didn't. Things seemed to be pretty strong, and I started to debate with myself if I should get Scott up or not if I should have Scott stay home from work that day. Finally, I had to get up to go to the bathroom. I had two bowel movements in a close time frame. That was a pretty sure sign that this was it. I did time the waves for a little bit, three to five minutes apart and lasting around 50 seconds each. At that point, I prayed the Lord would be with me and the baby during the birth and that he would cover our homes and the midwives with protection. I didn't know until after the birth that the Lord brought our midwives safely to our house in white-out driving conditions. That means snow so heavy you can't see the road. Baby is coming. After coming back from my second bathroom trip, I shook Scott awake, saying simply, Pretty sure the baby is coming. He asked me if he should get up and fill the tub. I still felt a bit doubtful, but told him yes. At this point, I couldn't lie down through rushes anymore, and found standing and leaning over the bed or a counter to be the best position. I did lie down in between waves, and at some point Scott came in and asked if I was going to call our midwife. I was still not sure I believed things were happening, but a few minutes later Scott went ahead and called her anyways. Shortly after that, I went to the bathroom to pee and had a huge bloody show. I finally totally accepted that, yes, baby was coming. Scott was having problems getting the hose to the tub with hot water, so he finally gave up and started using a bucket. I really wanted to get into the tub, but hesitated about slowing things down. After a couple of minutes of internal debate, I decided to get in anyways. Our three oldest children, Cassidy, Asher, and Brennan, were up and sitting on the couch, Scott put them to work helping with water boiling on the stove and watching the bucket fill with hot water in our bathtub. I liked the tub we had this time because it had a little inflatable stool. I'd sit on that between rushes. I was able to spread my legs, and it still supported me in sitting very upright. I felt like it kept me open and baby in a good position. 
The tub did not have a built-in heater, though, and that was a big downside. It meant we couldn't fill it a couple of days before my due date. Scott and the kids kept getting as much hot water into it as they could. I would make the slightest movement with my hand, and Scott would run over between his water carding trips. When I felt a rush starting, I moved off the stool to a kneeling position. At first, I put my arm around Scott's neck, and he put his arms around behind my back, under my arms. That worked well, but as things progressed, I found I wanted to have a wider, deeper stance on my knees, spreading them more, which meant I needed to have my head down on the side of the tub. At one point, Scott tried to put his arms under mine, and I simply said, no. He put his hands around my back over my arms, and I said, yes. Each rush was work, even with using my light switch, and I felt incredibly thirsty during the rush itself. I'd ask for water after most of them. During the rush, I'd moan and give Scott kisses on his shoulder. This giving of energy helped during Honor's birth, too. I focused on a pink hit technique between rushes, softening my entire pelvis, quote, around the pelvic clock. I felt myself get deeply into that place of birthing where time seems to suspend and you're definitely somewhere else, on some other plane of existence between rushes. My eyes were closed and I wasn't paying much attention to out anything outside of myself. My midwives, Kathy and Katie, arrived within about 10 minutes of each other, and I remember them greeting me. This was around 6.10 a.m. Kathy asked me a few questions about how things started, when I'd last eaten, etc., and I answered those. She also listened to the baby's heartbeat and told me it sounded good. After that, I didn't pay any attention to what anybody else was doing, just me and Scott and the baby. I do remember looking at the clock around 6.30, and thinking I might ask Scott to take it off the wall. I also debated asking him to bring me my phone so I could text my due date buddy and let her know things were happening. But I knew it was 4.30 her time and decided to wait until later. I thought that things were still very early at this point. Working with birth. I felt like the space between rushes was really long, eternally long. It wasn't bad. I kept my eyes closed and half-dozed in that timeless birthing world, but I remember thinking that the midwives must expect it to be a long time before the baby comes due to the long breaks between the rushes. Scott tells me that in reality the space was very short, a minute or so at most, but it felt timeless to me. The waves themselves were very powerful, but I'd spent much of pregnancy imagining myself spiraling my hips through them and I found that hip movement really did help. I could feel opening at the end of rushes at this point, and I wanted to go there, to get deeper into that opening. I felt a powerful rush that seemed to last a while, and then at the very end had a different feel to it, a pushy feel with the opening sensation. I started to wonder right then, and decided that after the next rush, I would feel to see if I could touch the baby's head. I think at this point I looked at Scott, afraid he'd get up to do something, and told him, stay. The next rush started, and I felt that undeniable urge to push down. My water broke near the start of that one. I didn't say anything, as I really wanted to feel the baby come down and be born with just Scott and I right at the tub. Scott says he does wish I'd whispered it to him, 
so I wish we'd talked about it beforehand now, and I had done so. But I felt the waters break, and then the baby's head coming down. Birthing Corwin This was the part of birthing I had done the most preparation for, physically and mentally. I wanted that moment for me and my baby. I had many thoughts in my head at this point, but strongly were peace and soften. I thought those words and let my body soften as I felt the baby's head move down and I felt myself stretch open, more and more open. I thought the baby's head might stop just at crowning. Then I felt the head come through. My hand moved down and I caressed his head as it was born, quietly. I wasn't sure if things would stop then. I didn't know if the rush kept going or if I kept going but I realized that the baby wasn't going to stop. I felt one little shoulder come through, then another. This felt like it took an eternity. Again, it wasn't bad. It was just timeless. Then out rushed his body. At this point, I said, Scott, help? Then realized he probably didn't know what I needed help with. So I said, baby. And then everyone was fluttering and scurrying around. It was 6.54 a.m. Scott helped me bring the baby up out of the water, and I was in awe. A full head of dark brown hair after five bald babies. This was another timeless moment as the baby just looked up at us and us down at him. He was pink, but not breathing. After a moment, I looked at my midwife, who was now beside the tub, and she told me to rub his feet. When I did so, he took a breath, but he didn't start crying. He just peacefully started to breathe. I moved a bit at this point, first onto the stool, then down again so the baby's body would be more immersed in the water. The tub never did get filled to the minimum fill line. Then I moved a bit so I was leaning against the side of the tub and felt more comfortable. I never looked between his legs to see his sex, just heard everybody saying he, him, his... A minute after settling back against the tub, I noticed his cord over one foot and moved it between his legs, at which point he started peeing. Then I knew he was definitely a he. So much happened in this next little bit. I was still feeling rushes here and there, and they were very crampy, but the placenta wasn't wanting to come. So I leaned back and waited, and everyone watched the baby. I know from reading the labor log that the placenta took around 30 minutes to birth, but it didn't seem that long to me. I reached down at one point and could feel membranes, and finally, with the next rush, I was able to push out the placenta. Scott took Corwin and held him by the fire while the midwives helped me get settled into bed. I felt really good, very strong, and was able to stand upright right away. I was very happy to be snuggled into the warm bed with my baby. We put blankets and a little heating pad around him in my arms to warm him as it was very, very cold outside our bedroom, and our bedroom was cool. He started nursing right after getting into bed and nursed from both sides before finally falling asleep. His entire birth was a wonderful experience for me, as close to perfect as I'd imagined. I feel so blessed and am so grateful to the Lord for the wisdom he gave me to prepare and for the safety he provided throughout Corwin's birth. It was a wonderful way to welcome a new little soul. And Corwin's birth was a wonderful birth experience for me, a wonderful learning experience for me, kind of a culmination of what I learned 
as I said throughout my previous five birth experiences, and I hope that reading all six of my baby's birth stories has been a blessing to you and that you might glean some wisdom as you walk on your path and through your pregnancy or as you prepare for another conception or another baby. With that, this podcast episode has already gotten quite long, so I'm going to go ahead and let you go. Please leave me a rating on iTunes or in the Stitcher directory or on whatever podcast directory you listen to. I love the ratings, I love the review, I love the feedback, and I cannot wait to, to talk to you in a couple of weeks for our uh, for our next episode. Remember, email me, Kristen, at naturalbirthandbabycare.com. Any feedback you have, any ideas you have, I love to hear from you. And many blessings to you and your family in the new year. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.